Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh, clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Folks, welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Me and Jacob are recording this at 10.30 at night, the night before we drop this, so the 11th, and we are both very tired, so <laughs> please excuse any any botches in this uh, intro. But Jacob, how are you doing, my man? Uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty good. Appreciate that intro. Uh, hopefully, we can follow up with better information than uh, what that just was. But yeah, doing pretty good right now. Sitting in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, for business. But uh, anyways, doing pretty good, man. Worn out after this. Like, geez, man, it's it's been, it's been a long, long week. But how you been? I'm doing good, man. I'm just sitting here listening to the rainfall. I'm sitting here in Chelsea, Alabama. Uh, haven't been in the woods too much lately, but I've been talking to a lot of people who uh, who've been seeing a lot of sign and uh, 
couple people that have killed over the weekend. It's youth weekend here in Alabama, and a bunch of kids getting out there shooting some turkeys. So we open up on Thursday, so I'll be getting out probably t- t- Tuesday to scout. Tuesday and Wednesday to scout, hopefully. And uh, if all goes well, I'll be shooting at a turkey on Thursday. Okay, well, that, that'll be good. Uh, I, on other hands, have not been scouting for turkeys that much. Uh, actually, just got done scouting with a fellow friend of ours um, today on a piece of his property, or a couple properties that he hunts on. And uh, we were scouting actually for a deer, but uh, one of his properties is absolutely loaded with turkeys. Too bad uh, I won't be here <laughs> when their season opens to go hunt. But uh, I'll probably be in New York at that time. But um, yeah, again, I haven't really been out doing any scouting at all just because of work and everything's kept me busy. But I will say, while driving back across uh, North Carolina a couple days ago, I did see an absolutely giant turkey, big Tom out in the field doing <laughs> his thing. So that was pretty cool. Um, too bad I didn't have a shotgun with me. But I will say, I did fly out here to uh, Raleigh uh, with all my turkey clothes and vest calls and everything. So all I do is I just need a shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But uh, anyways, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm going to be traveling next couple months up the uh, eastern United States. So thinking uh, about two weeks, I'm going to be down in northern Florida. And then from there, I'm going up to Syracuse, New York for a little while. So, depending on where I'm going to be, I might try to go to a little turkey hunting. Uh, so, that'll be kind of cool if I can bring that to the podcast. But, uh, anyways, all right, guys. So, traveling man. Yeah, I know, man. But, uh, <laughs> and, well, with all of that, uh, let's kind of get into this intro, talk about this, uh, this episode. Why don't we? Yeah. So, uh, we, we interviewed Bob Walker from Mossy Oak on this episode. Uh, Bob actually is an out, he, he guides for an outfitter here in Alabama. And, uh, although he can't really relate to how most of us hunt, uh, this is kind of going back to the thing where he is a guy who has spent a ton of time in the turkey woods and he just knows turkeys and knows how they act. Uh, and he's got some kind of unique strategies that he goes into that were pretty interesting to hear. Uh, we kind of hit it off with him at the NWTF convention and, thought he'd be a good guest and that he'd bring a lot to the table and I definitely think he did uh just right off the top of my head I think about how he talked about um setting up on the roost like on birds that are roosted in the morning how he doesn't necessarily get right up on him but he'll set up 600 yards out which I won't go into that you can hear it in the interview but that's something I've found interesting because most of the other people we've talked to have said, you know, get close, 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 and Bob Bob likes to stay back off of them, you know. Yeah, and uh, he definitely brought some some uh, great knowledge to us, and definitely learned a little bit from him. Uh, you know, some different tactics and uh, techniques that he uses to be able to hunt. Because again, with him being an outfitter, he actually takes, or him being a guide, I mean, he actually takes pretty much. He has a client almost every day of the season for 45 days roughly so they are hunting you know pretty sizable piece of properties or a couple different properties um but you know consistently be able to go out there and hunt birds and not over pressure birds which is really kind of cool to think about especially if you're hunting public land you kind of use some of his tactics on public land and try to you know not educate birds too much um but anyways uh, that was really good and also just about, you know, his background again. I mean, he's one of the original turkey thugs. So when it comes to, you know, a deer or a turkey killing machine, uh, he's definitely one of the tops when it comes to that and extremely talented uh, with what he does and uh, his background. 
Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. And I had fun talking to him. He's a nice guy, and uh, this is really just the tip of the iceberg. We'd love to have him on again to kind of dive into some more uh, turkey tactics and stuff, and hopefully we can make that happen. But all you listeners, uh, if you got any questions that you want us to ask, you know, upcoming guests, just email them to us or send them to us on uh, Instagram or Facebook, and we will be more than happy to incorporate those questions in our interviews because we want to know what y'all want to know because we're learning just like y'all are. So going forward, uh, it'd be nice if anybody has any specific questions that we might have not thought of, just send them our way and we'll ask them. Uh, But, you know, moving on from that, you know, before we get into this interview, which is kind of a long one, but before we get into this interview, we have an announcement to make about another giveaway. That is correct. All right, guys. So we did an announcement last week about our giveaways we're doing with Onyx. Uh, we had uh, three premium memberships we were giving away for them uh, to allow you to have uh, one, stake of your, one state of your choice uh, to be able to use their mapping service. And again, we have those winners, and we'll announce that later on in this uh, in this podcast, in this episode. But we're here to announce uh, our next giveaway, which is another Onyx product, but it is their elite membership. This is the best of the best when it comes to mapping services and scouting services. When you're out there hunting, guys, if, um, especially if you're hunting multiple states, uh, whether it's for turkeys, deer, whatever you're doing, or maybe you're looking at going out to Colorado this year for an elk hunt or Wyoming or something like that, this is something that's going to allow you to be able to scout while you're out there and beforehand and get a good idea of what you want to do. And especially in the field hunting, I mean, it's very effective. But we're giving away one of their elite memberships. And uh, how we're going to do that is uh, when this episode drops, we'll have a post that we're going to be posting to let y'all know on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, feel free to like the post, but how you'll be registered to win this in the drawing is you're going to want to follow us on Facebook, like us on Facebook. And then tag one of your buddies in the comment section of either the Instagram or Facebook posts about the giveaway. And you'll be entered for the drawing, and then we'll do our drawing uh, for that this upcoming Saturday and announce it on the next ep- next week's episode. Yep. And uh, we'll announce those three winners from last week's episode. Uh, we'll announce those three after our interview with Bob. So stay tuned to figure out who the winners are. And uh, I guess we'll go ahead and hop right into it. Jacob, what you think? Sounds like a good plan. All right, man. See you on the other side. All right, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Today we are very excited because we got Mr. Bob Walker on the phone of Doug's and Mossy Oak. Bob, how are you doing, man? Doing great. What about y'all? We're doing pretty good. Trying to We're trying to scout some turkeys the other day. That was a fiasco, but we're we're getting pumped up about it. Jacob, how are you, man? I'm doing absolutely great. I mean, getting glad to have Bob on the phone with us after uh, meeting him at uh, you know NWTF uh, convention. Had a blast talking to him for a little bit, and uh, you know, just love to have the opportunity to talk with you today. So thank you, Bob, for coming on with us for today. You're welcome. I always enjoy talking turkey, man. Yeah, and Bob, I I've seen you on TV before with a uh, with turkey thugs. But uh, when I really kind of started following you was when you did a Facebook Live event on Turkey Callers of America. Uh, I can't remember who you were with, but y'all did a little video about just talking turkey hunting. And I took so much from that video. That was just 
one of the most helpful videos ever leading up to my turkey season. So, man, we're excited to have you on and kind of pick your brain about turkey hunting and get excited for the season coming up. Hey, it's coming fast, too. Yeah, it is. It could be here before we know it. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take longer, though, because everybody's telling me they're hearing them gobble and seeing them strut. Now it's going to be the longest, whatever, three weeks I've ever seen now. <laughs> yeah, that, like our friend Cy Colley says, he says that February is the shortest month, but it feels like the longest. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. So, uh, Bob, let's jump right into it here. Uh, so, kind of give us a little information about your background, kind of how you got started with Mossy Oak and Turkey Thugs. Well, the way I got started, uh, I'm going to start with Bent Creek because that'll tie into Mossy Oak. Um, and it's, I think this is 32 years that I've been guiding at Bent Creek. They were actually had been, you know, commercial hunting for deer. And uh, a friend of mine um, knew Leo Allen, which was one of the owners, and uh, he told me that Leo was interested in maybe having somebody guide one of their clients. They had one customer that was wanting to start turkey hunting and maybe bring some clients of his. And uh, so he told him about me and said, you know, you ought to go with me and, and, and meet Leo, one of the owners. And so I did. And, uh, and then uh, this particular customer came down and hunted, and uh, Johnny and Leo and myself kind of, kind of showed me the land i knew a little bit about the property but not a whole lot and uh anyway we kind of all went together and they stayed back while we would go hunt and uh anyway it all went well and we, we kind of got to be good friends and we started hunting together and then uh Bent creek just kind of grew and grew well i think it was the second year that cuz um i think i'm right on this he he actually came maybe the first time with Primos, standing uh, for Will when he worked for Will. And uh, we did a video then, and then it was uh, about that time that Mossy Oak had started up also. And and then Cuz went to work for Mossy Oak, and of course he already had a connection with us, and he started bringing riders down. and. Anyway, I've, I've always been loyal to Mossy Oak. I think it's the best camo out there, and, and uh, the people are just, uh, they're in it for the right reason, uh, conservation and uh, getting people in the sport. But they've always been good to me, and I, I've, I've just been loyal to them. Uh, turkey thugs, uh, the way that started, you know, a long span went there when I really wasn't. I had been in the calling contest and doing all of that, so I kind of got out of that when I had kids and just was too much going on, so I had to had to kind of quit that. And uh, then, you know, I would see Cubs every now and then. He'd bring somebody to the lodge. We'd go and all that good stuff and, and film. But he called me out of the blue one day and, asked me if I'd do the turkey thug thing, and I told him, I said, man, you surely you can find somebody better than me. And Anyway, we laughed about it, and that was really fun, you know, getting to go hunt all over the country, and uh, it, it, it was 
it, it was a lot of fun. You know, a lot of places that I had never been before. So it's fun to see how other turkeys react to uh, the way we hunt here in Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so hunting out of state, this this is kind of a unique question, I guess. But you know, you've hunted turkeys in a lot of different places all around the country. Uh, I guess the question I'd have is is what are some some kind of hmm, what are some constants that that you see throughout the country with turkeys? Like, is there one particular strategy that that you find uh, that works? pretty much everywhere or works well in most places well you know it's you know you, you got me growing up here in Alabama and in the south hunting these turkeys um, I was lucky my dad was a turkey hunter back when there weren't too terribly many I'm uh, I'm lucky in that aspect but I think if you go up hunting turkeys here in Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, uh, I think you've got a base that will travel, okay? Your, your game will travel. Now, if you grow up hunting somewhere else where the turkeys aren't quite as hard to kill, and I don't mean to step on somebody's toes, but most places don't have the season length that we do in these turkeys kind of learned more, I guess, and have been hunted longer, and uh, they have, they've been educated more. So these turkeys around here are, are pretty hard to call. I mean, don't get me wrong, you can go out there one day, and if he's in the right mood, you can call him with anything, you know, but uh, just as a rule of thumb, these turkeys are a little bit harder to kill. People that come to the lodge hunting, they're like, you know, I always wondered how that was going to work, but people want that challenge. They want to kill a turkey that's, you know, a challenge and hard to kill. So I guess what I'm telling you is on going anywhere and hunting, if you've got that knack for staying quiet, unseen, and your basic knowledge of, of turkey hunting, it will travel. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm answering the question or not there. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I've heard the, the saying that a, the best kind of camo is a, opening up a can of set still. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure that travels. Uh, Patient skills, turkeys. You know, now, some of that is being stealthy. I mean, if you get out in the Midwest or, you know, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Kansas. Um, I've been to Nebraska where the turkeys are supposed to be super easy and they had been hunting a pretty good bit and those turkeys were pretty hard to kill. But you, as long as you, you know, knew how to move on turkeys and get in this ditch and and walk around and ease up and you, you, you could do it, but it, it's just knowing how to move on turkeys and, and re really paying attention to you know, not being seen or uh, not being heard. Stuff like that makes a big difference wherever you're at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, I know that you guide at uh, Bent Creek, and you have for a long time, and 
you know, hunting a, a property like that, I understand that y'all have clients out there, you know, most days of the turkey season. So it, it, you could you could say it's probably a, a pretty high-pressured piece of ground, I guess. So is, is there a specific strategy that you guys use to, to hunt that property so much without educating your birds too much? Well, yeah, what we did to begin with, used to we would go by seniority. Uh, we've got, you know, anywhere from 8 to 10, 11 guides. But we usually like to take about 6 to 8 people a day, and uh, 8 being Ooh. about the tops. And, you know, we've got 30-something thousand acres, so we used to do it by seniority. They'd call me. I was the first guy to hatch, so they would call me, and where do you want to go in the morning, you know? And this other, the next guy down, they, you know, they'd ask that way. But we were, you know, if I'm going to a piece of property that I'm not going to be able to hunt, but maybe once or twice a year, I'm going to hammer two turkeys. I'm gonna, you know what I mean? I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah. So we decided, you know, we got to talking about it, and they they thought it would be best if each guy had their own spot, and nobody else went on there but them. And I and and that's by far the best way to do it. And that way, you know, you've got to hunt those turkeys all year. You can go in there and make all the racks you want if you want to, but you've got to hunt those uh, educated turkeys. So that way, each guy's a little more whatever peculiar about the way they go around their woods and not making noise and not educating those turkeys. So it's uh that's probably the best thing we ever did right there as far as being able to not hammer on those turkeys. Now with yes. that well I was gonna say with that being said, on Bent Creek, I mean, are you averaging six to eight uh clients a day for the whole season? Is that correct? Uh, we usually don't we usually don't take anybody after the second week of April. We'll we'll go from the fifteenth of March all the way through to the um, usually that second weekend of April. And uh, that oh do we average eight people a day? No. I mean, you know, we may have a group of six. Uh, we may have four people and a two-man, another two-man makes six and then a one to make seven. It, it varies back and forth, you know, how many people we, we have per day. But uh, I would say we're probably close to averaging six a day. Now, with that being said, how did you get into just out or uh, get into guiding in general? I mean, was it just from personal connections and – you know, does someone reach out to you about your experience, or did you look for it? Like, how did you get into guiding? Well, I had a I had a friend that knew Johnny and Leo, uh, the two guys that owned the lodge, Johnny Lanier and Leo Allen, and um, they had mentioned to him that they were thinking about doing the turkey hunting, and that's, that's he contacted me and told me, hey, you need to ride down there with me and meet these guys. They may do some turkey hunting. He said, it's a pretty nice place. You'd enjoy it, da 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 good guys. And uh, so I did, and then, you know, they had a guy, one of their deer hunting customers was wanting to try it, and uh, he ended up coming, and, and me and him hit it off, and uh, he had a good time, killed a turkey. Actually, I don't know how many killed. Killed a couple in the first two days, you know, just, you know, lucky, 
but it, it happened. And uh, so it, it kind of happened that way. Now, my background, I had helped um, a guy locally here who had a um, commercial deer hunting place. So I, I had kind of been around people and seen how the hunting and guiding part of it worked. So I kind of had an idea of what you had to deal with, you know, people. If you're a people person, you can, you can handle it. And that's kind of how it, how it started for me in the guiding. And, you know, those first, I wish I'd have kept up with it. I could kick myself in the tail for not writing down everything that happened those early years, especially. Now, I keep up with it a little more now, but those first few years, I don't have a clue how many first turkeys I called up for people, but that that's fun. When you get to see somebody kill their first turkey, see them get tore up and shaking and breathing hard and kill that first turkey, it's nothing like it. And so I guess that's kind of in my blood that way. You know, somebody will, you know, a truckload of people will pull up and there'll be a kid or something or somebody that's never been. You know, and, and it's nothing wrong with some of these guys, but they're like, oh, man, I hope I don't have to take that guy. That's the guy I want to take. I want to take that one wants to kill a turkey, but he will listen. He's never been, so he doesn't think he knows everything. Mm-hmm. He'll listen to everything you say, and he, he wants to kill a turkey. He'll do it. So he's easy to guide, in my opinion. Okay, well, another thing that I'd like to talk to you about is, you know, this year was our second year, or my second year, should I say, of going to the convention. And w- one thing I've really noticed, uh, I'm, I'm relatively new to turkey hunting. I've been turkey hunting for three years now. And, you know, still learning a lot, you know, year in and year out. But one thing I've really noticed with turkey hunting is the camaraderie with everybody. And there's nobody comparing, you know, turkeys to one another. They're just doing it because they love it and they love to have fun and they love, you know, a great group of people, you know, guys and girls is having a bunch of fun in the woods. And, you know, that's one thing I really like about turkey hunting. It's to me, it's more about the camaraderie, especially if you're hunting with a group of people or with a buddy or something like that, or take someone else hunting, you know, the camaraderie of turkey hunting, I think is what really makes it special. And again, how it's to me almost more laid back in the sense that no one's comparing, you know, scores, quote unquote, uh, of different turkeys and stuff like that. It's it's really just more about the experience. And to me, it's a pure state of hunting, in my opinion. You know, I agree with that. They, <laughs> you know, and a lot of a lot of people that, I don't know how to say this, but you're right in that atmosphere up there uh, at the convention. It's, it's, it's all about the wild turkey and everybody, you know, together and enjoying and celebrating the fact that we can do that that's that's awesome you know everybody's like that and and that's been mentioned to me before how everybody's you know just gets along seems like everybody's you know happy and you know talking about turkeys and sharing everything and i said yeah they're sharing everything now but they don't hunt that close to each other if they hunted close to each other they wouldn't be talking to each other. <laughs> You know, but and I'm kidding about that, but yet I'm not. You know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, I can remember, you know, my dad saying, "Okay, we're going back to the camp. Don't tell anybody what we heard." You know, I mean that that's just the way you did it because there weren't many turkeys back then, and if you heard something, 
Now, with you being in the industry so long, especially just the turkey hunting industry in general, what have you seen in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years that's been trending up? And what have you seen possibly trending down when it comes to turkey hunting? Trending up, it seems like it's more and more people turkey hunting. And uh, and I, I think that's good. Um, I've also seen, seen a you know, a uptick in the number of decoys people use. Uh, that's, I'm, you know, I'm throwing out different things. You may want me to say one thing, but I'm, I'm kind of going that way. Um, that's, you know, I have used decoys and I use them when I'm filming. Uh, the camera guys love them because it gives that turkey a little bit more time to you know, stand around, look at the decoys or whatever. It kind of milks them for a little more footage, you know. And, uh, but I, I, am I totally against decoys? No. Um, I just like going without them and, and not, not using them quite so much. But, uh, have I done it? Yes, I have. You know, we, we used to not be able to do it in Alabama and everybody wanted to try it. When it was legal, we, we tried it and went through, everybody went through a, uh, a spell of wanting to use them. And, and I've seen that kind of drop back down now. And, uh, but there's still a lot of people using decoys. Um, and what have I seen, seen trending down? I, I think the number of turkeys. Now, is there a big reason? Is there a, a big problem? Or did we just have a few bad hatches? If you have a few bad hatches in a row, your numbers are going to suffer quick. And uh, I think it's a combination of that. Predators around here, coyotes are really, really plentiful. I mean, they're everywhere. So if you're not trapping coyotes and, and coons and possums, you're... Uh, you're not doing your job there because that's that's something that you really need to do. 
I totally agree with that. And I mean, with that being said, you know, kind of transitioned into another topic I wanted to talk about was just, you know, your thoughts on using decoys. Um, you know, in a couple of interviews in the past, we've talked to guys that, you know, some guys were, you know, all for them, you know, certain situations and other situations, they wouldn't use them. Other guys would, you know, never really use a decoy unless they were taking a kid or something just for the entertainment factor. Um, but it seems like you don't use them that often. And I mean, what is your reasoning behind it? Cause I'm transitioning from, you know, I think they push it so hard in the industry these days that you have to use decoys and this and that, like you can't kill turkeys without decoys. And me, when I first got started, I had that mindset and it never really worked for me. So this year I'm transitioning back to not using decoys at all and seeing how that works. But again, back to the question, uh, I mean, what's the advantages of say not using decoys on most sets? Well, it depends on where you're hunting. I mean, if you're hunting where in the southeast where you're hunting, primarily hunting in timber, from what I've seen, I've seen turkeys spook because of decoys. That decoy's sitting there not moving, and that turkey's coming up through the woods, and nothing's moving, and then all of a sudden he sees it. And it just, it's, you know, if it was a turkey there, if that decoy was a turkey, it would have been moving and he would have seen it way before he did. So it kind of bothers him. And I've seen him skirt around and I've seen him run from it. But, you know, I'm not dead set against it. If you're just starting, there's nothing wrong with it. But I think you're missing the whole point if you don't start hunting without them and then learning that way. Hey, go ahead. If, 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 if you're... You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Competition is uncompetitive as anybody. If you want to kill a turkey right off the bat, kill you a turkey and then put the decoys up and and then say, okay, I'm going to do it. My problem with decoys a lot of times was I was, I would have to crawl 20 or 30 yards up there and put the decoy out and then crawl back. If I crawl 20 or 30 yards, I'm going to stay right there because I've already made it another 20 or 30 yards. That's where I'm going to get. That's where I'm going to sit. So it changes your thought process. You start relying on just the turkey seeing the decoy and coming in, and that just, you know, that's it's a big help having a decoy at times. And you outsmarting that turkey and making him come within gun range uh, without a decoy is is a big deal, and and you'll you'll feel way better about you know killing that turkey than you would have. And like I say, I don't want to make anybody mad. I don't have anything against it. I think there's a place for them, but you know, especially if you go out west where it's open and all that, but you still can do it without them. Well, that's but, yeah. Well, I was gonna say I, that, I agree so. with what you said about about a decoy spooking turkeys because funny story about me is uh, I didn't really grow up turkey hunting. My dad was an accountant, so you know tax season rolling in right at the same time as turkey season, so we never got to go much. And then as I got older, was kind of hunting on my own. I, uh, I I kept going out to the public land near my house and never having any luck. And then a couple years ago, me and my buddy Zach went out and just got on. I think it was like eight different roosted gobblers that were just going crazy. And uh, we'd never even, I'd never heard a gobble before. And we heard like a hundred gobbles that morning, had no idea what to do. 
And so 11 o'clock rolls around. We're set up in some timber, and one gobbles right beneath us. And so we stick out a decoy and call to him, you know, thinking that it's a good idea. And he pops up. He pops his head over the, the side of the hill at, like, I don't know, 50 yards, and he sees that decoy, and he literally turned around and ran all the way across the holler, all the way up the other side, probably into the next county. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, if you thought about it, it's like, think about if you heard something in your house, like you heard someone talking in your house, and then you walked around the corner, there's a mannequin standing there. I mean, I think that would freak you out also. <laughs> yeah, that, that freaked me out. <laughs> so yeah, I could, it, it, uh, it, it puts you a little bit. But again, there. well, I mean, Bob, that's one reason we did start this podcast is just to be able to relate with, you know, our Southern audience and really have different uh, perspectives come to the table and, you know, show what, you know, certain individuals like to use and, you know, their opinions on things. Because I think that's one thing I love about hearing is just different opinions and different outlooks on certain tactics and uses for certain products uh, to make myself a better hunter. I mean, that's, and I think that's a lot of guys' goals is try to learn as much as possible uh, through different avenues uh, to be able to apply to their hunting experience and make themselves better. So, I mean, that's one reason I love talking guys, even, you know, maybe they have a off the wall, uh, idea or something, or they think something's controversial, uh, controversial that they like. I mean, that's something I like to hear because it's something different. It's not the everyday thing that you hear, especially like on television or certain other things that, you know, I like hearing something different or hearing or seeing something different, uh, to also try. Because I think, you know, being different, especially in the turkey woods, you know, that might be something that can really give you an advantage uh, depending on the situation. That's right. Now, with that being said, uh, are you born and raised in Alabama? Yes. Okay, awesome. Well, with that being said, when you were growing up, did you ever hunt much public land or did you always have a little piece of private uh, that you were able to hunt? Growing up, I did not. I was, I was lucky enough. My dad uh, was in a hunting club. Or two had two hunting clubs we were in, and um, that's where that's where I got my start. And then uh, later, when I when I was in college, uh, is when I when I started hunting on public ground, and uh, so that you know I I didn't have to hunt it to begin with, but uh, later I did, and and it's definitely uh a big difference, you know, in the way the turkeys act and, and what you have to do to kill some. And I 100% agree with that. I mean, that's one thing that me and Andrew like to relate with a lot of our listeners is that, you know, it's always nice to have a piece of private if you can hunt it, uh, but, you know, you don't necessarily have to have, you know, a couple thousand dollars tied up in a lease or be in a club or something to be successful when it comes to just being a, an outdoorsman, you know, whether it's uh, deer hunting, turkey hunting, you know, whether you want to go find some doves or you just go fishing. I mean, there's a ton of opportunity, especially in the southeast with public land that, you know, really can allow a guy, especially an average guy, just to go out there and, you know, cut his teeth on it if he's never done it before. And then, you know, I think it can make you pretty successful just because of the, the hardships and the uh, certain things you got to overcome on hunting public land. And I think you grow, you can grow pretty quickly as a hunter and outdoorsman by doing that. And that's one thing we like to relate with a lot of our, our listeners because that's what me and Andrew have done. Um, I've actually against some people's belief, uh, you know, some guys think if you got a piece of 
private land, go hunt it first and then public. Well, I'm backwards. I have a piece of private land that I, I get the opportunity to hunt. It's a family farm, but I always choose to hunt public over it just because I love hunting different places and different terrain features and stuff. You know, if I'm stuck on a small farm, you know, that's all I have. It's kind of hard to uh, get away from that where if I'm hunting 30,000 acres on a wildlife management area, there's so many diverse uh, areas I can go to to try to locate, you know, new flocks of birds or get on different bucks and stuff like that. And I really enjoy that in the adventure that you can have on public land. So that, I mean, that's good to know that, you know, growing up you were able to hunt on a club and then you kind of, you know, changed, you know, in college and, you know, try to cut your teeth a little bit on public land. It's always great to hear. Oh yeah. No doubt. Now I was going to say, well, one more thing, Andrew, um, with your background with hunting, uh, when you were, uh, I mean, I'm guessing for the most part, you don't travel hunt, uh, turkeys anymore, do you? I don't, I don't travel a whole lot, no. Okay. Uh, I do a little bit, but, um, mainly, mainly stay in Alabama and Mississippi. Okay, because that was one thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, you know, if you had to pick a state that was, you know, a lot of guys, especially some of our listeners have reached out to us about, you know, asking some of our, uh, people were interviewing about you know if you weren't in the southeast or you wanted to hunt another state like do a traveling hunt you know a week-long trip or something and you had to pick another state to go to what would be your go-to state and a lot of guys are saying you know up in the midwest and stuff like that it's something they would go check out and I mean, is there a certain state you would possibly recommend for a guy that really just wants an adventure and the opportunity to possibly harvest say like a miriam or a rio or just a uh maybe an osceola yeah i mean i i love hunting florida if you, if the hard part there is, uh, the land is so limited, you know, as far as the supply and demand, the price on hunts down there is pretty high. But, but it's nothing like going down there. Uh, I think in the south zone, uh, I think I'm right on that. The uh, youth season opens this coming weekend, so I mean. You could go before our turkey season starts and, and kind of get a head start on it if you if you went to Florida or South Florida. But out west, um, you know, it's it's you can go to uh, Nebraska, South Dakota, places like that. And um, you know, if you don't want to go that far, um, you know, you you can go to Missouri. There, there's a good bit of public land there in Missouri too. Uh, any outfitters, all those places. A place that I've really enjoyed is um, Oklahoma, but they they actually were the part I hunted was uh, eastern. So, but but it was a it was a really really good hunt, real cool way of hunting, and had a lot of open ground, but yet had a lot of timber too. So, I really enjoyed that. I don't know that I answered your question, but uh, th- there's so many places out there you can go. It kind of depends on what you want to hunt, what kind of terrain. Well, actually, I mean, that did answer my question. And one reason is because me and Andrew have been looking about going out west and doing a trip like that. Uh, we just got back this October from a uh, mule deer hunt, DIY mule deer hunt in Wyoming and had an absolute blast. And it made us kind of think we ought to do something for turkey season. I know it's a little late minute, but... You know, it's maybe an idea for something we might do for next season, too. And, you know, we've been kind of contemplating what states we'd go to. And for some reason, everybody we've talked to has really brought up Nebraska. So maybe we need to check out Nebraska. So, Well, I mean, you can go up there. 
Nebraska. I don't. I can't remember exactly when their season ends, but you can go up there in May after our season here is over and you kind of extend the season a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and just to kind of transition topics a little bit, Bob, I know that, that you have one heck of a crow call and an owl hoot, natural voice. Uh, so I'm guessing th- those are kind of your go-to locators? They are. I mean, I'm, I'm in the morning, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, owl to begin with, and I don't start off with a big screech or anything like that. I just, you know, try to wake up slow, you know, bark slow, I guess you could say. Because you never know, that turkey may not be right where you think he is. He may be real close to you. And if you bust out a screech or a loud owl, you may kind of spook him. So, yeah, the owl early is is, is good. And then, hey, I won't, I won't uh, hesitate to crow right at daylight. I mean, the crows wake up pretty quick right after the turkeys, so if I hear a crow or something and I'm not hearing anything gobble and I'm thinking I should be right there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hit them with a crow or either a screech, screech owl, one of the two. Absolutely. Are there, are there any other kind of locator calls you've ever used? Like, I've, I've seen a lot of guys here in Alabama use a peacock uh, to try and locate, and then some guys use gobbles or whatever. Have you ever used any other kind of locators with luck? You know, I've I've, uh, I've always stuck to the owl and the crow, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, if I'm, it depends on where I'm hunting, but, you know, you can gobble. If you've got something to gobble on, you can gobble a little bit to make some gobble. Um I know back early on, I remember my dad would use it. He could owl and crow also with his voice, and, but he would gobble. You know, he would gobble with a with a box or or uh, some kind of goblin tube. You know, and and I can remember standing there forever and never hearing anything. And we had bought a uh, it was a. I don't even remember the name of it. It was it was the first one I'd ever seen. You put your finger over a hole and you had a uh, look like a radiator, a rib radiator, and you would shake it. And it went, blah, 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 blah. You know, it didn't sound that good to me. But <laughs> uh, we'd been standing there trying to make one gobble he had with an owl or a crow, and uh, we hadn't heard a peep. And, and he said, take that thing out. Of course, I'd been playing with it. He told me, he said, pull it out and gobble on that thing. And I gobbled the turkey gobble. And we ended up killing that turkey. And we probably, I don't, who knows what would have happened if he hadn't gobbled at that. So you never know what one wants to hear. I'm not one to go gobbling on something before I've given him a chance to kind of wake up on his own and answer something like an owl or a crow. And there's nothing wrong, especially if you're hunting public ground, there's nothing wrong with standing there and letting the turkeys wake up on their own and gobble because they do it on their own whether you're there or not. And they probably gobble when you're not there. And if you're hunting public ground, I guarantee you they've, they've heard turkeys, I'm, I'm sorry, heard owls and crow calls all they can stand. So they, they, uh, they probably hear a truck pull up and 
they probably shut up. So sometimes it might be better if you just stand there and, and really give them about 15 minutes. Now, I'm talking to myself because I'm bad about being in a hurry trying to hear one gobble at daylight. I'm wanting to move if I'm not hearing one pretty quick. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the exact same way. <laughs> And yeah, I'm I'm the same way too. It's hard to, especially have the patience. You know that first couple of days of season when you're like you just want to get on a bird, want to get on a bird, and it's hard to sit there and just have patience and kind of let everything just happen all natural and just naturally wake up on their own and hopefully be able to hear one sound off. And I mean that's I think one guy, a lot of guys' downfalls is just not being patient enough. Whether you're hunting public or private land. And it's always really being in a rush to the point where you're never giving yourself enough time to really, you know, stay in the area for a little while and try to see what's going on. Especially if you know that there's been birds in the area or there are birds in the area and it's kind of blowing past it. Because, uh, I mean, I've had opportunities where, you know, you sit someplace, you call and then you move and the birds work into the area you were just at. Uh, so, I mean, that's definitely a downside to me. But is there anything... Uh, Anything else that you might see, uh, you know, some of your clients, any other mistakes they make while you are out there hunting, uh, whether it's, you know, certain calls or someone's trying to get too aggressive or just that patience factor and not being quiet enough while they're trying to sit there and uh, wait for birds to work in. Well, that's something, being a guide, you have to, you have to start when you're, you know, when you got your guy in the truck and you're driving out to where you're going, just kind of let him know and. I tell everybody what we're doing, try to let them understand that it's, it's a process, kind of. It's just going to take time. And patience is, if you've got patience, you, you've got a good start. And uh, But the thing is, he's got the, you just got to get the customer, the, the hunter, to understand what you're trying to do, and hopefully he'll have confidence in you and he'll have a little more patience. And, and I sit right by my guy. That way we can kind of communicate and talk, and I can tell him what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. But that patience is, is, is huge. And if you, if you will, you know, try to make yourself go slow and, and, and be really, really uh, quiet, that's something that a lot of the hunters don't realize when they come in there. They don't think about walking out there. It's, the leaves are dry and you're walking and walking and breaking sticks. You know, turkeys don't break sticks. And when they hear something that does, they're they're listening and they're uh, they're not coming that way. So you can't imagine how people can't imagine how quiet they really need to be. That's that's one of the biggest things I see. Um, I had a gentleman with me one day, great guy, and uh, he just never had hunted a whole lot, and some of it's my fault. We had this turkey goblin. The main road goes straight, and to the right, the road forks off to the right, goes over a little knoll, and then there's a food plot right there. This turkey was gobbling. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. He's gobbling, maybe 8 o'clock. He was gobbling getting it gobbling and we eased down the ditch of the road and and i started moving sticks i i got right in his ear i said we're fixing to sit down right here i whispered to him and i i laid his cushion down right there i said look don't make a sound you know just be real quiet and I, I got his gun and he eased down and just pop right down mm. i mean it sounded like you dropped dropped a bag of flour right on the ground you know i mean just pop and i mm. 
maybe he didn't hear it, you know, or something. But I handed him his gun. I backed up a little bit and started calling. And that turkey wanted to come so bad, but he had heard that. And he circled all the way around and crossed the road and got on the other side of the road. And I mean, he, there's no doubt in my mind that turkey heard that. And he didn't know what it was, but he wasn't coming anywhere close to it. So you got to remember, he's listening. That's his one of his best defenses of his ears. And he's he's listening hard. So if he hears something walk up there and sit down, you know, and, or stop, he's not coming right there anytime soon. Now, sure, it happens. But that's that one that's so fired up, he's just nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's not many of them go around. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful and, and, and really, especially if you're hunting, you know, public ground, you've got to be really quiet. You know, pick you a place where like a wing ditch runs off a road and you can ease in there. The leaves are washed out of it and it's sand or dirt. You can walk right there and not make a sound. And, you know, nothing wrong with standing up. If you can't get in a, a good spot, stand there somewhere or kneel down in that sand or sit in that sand and not set up against a tree. But if you, because if you're close enough to him and you're going to make noise and you think it's going to spook him, just stay where you're at. You know, you don't have a chance if you spook him. But you got yeah, to point. You know, don't 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 be afraid to sit somewhere, not by a tree. You don't always have to do that. I mean, if you got some good camo on like Mossfield, you can uh, you can hang in there. I know I sound like a race car driver, plugging <laughs> 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 everybody, but I I, I mean. Hey, obsession, when I can get that obsession on and everything starts greening up, I feel like my outline's broken up. I'm good. Oh, so, man. That, yeah. green we're going to have an early spring this year, too, with it being so warm right now. So we're going to have some green leaves when the season comes in, I bet. Yeah, I'm already seeing a bunch of blooms down here where I'm at. A bunch of trees are already starting to bloom. Um, yep. Now, to transition again, another thing that kind of just popped in my head was, you know, talking about how some of those birds will react to you uh, because of just very subtle noises and everything. With that being said, what is your setup? If you have some birds roosted on some of these properties you're going to be hunting with a client, how close or how far away do you set up from a roost, which, you know, you feel comfortable that uh, maybe you're close enough you can get the bird coming to, but maybe not so close that he's going to necessarily you know, hear you if something happens. Uh, this this is probably going to surprise you, but if I if I hear a turkey gobble on the limb and I can get to him, I'm trying to think of the best way to tell you this. If if I hear in the forty something days of turkey season, I may sit down to six or seven on the limb a lot of times I'm going to wait till it flies down before I move in now I want to but if I've got a customer I've got two people fixing to go up there and try to sit down when that turkey's on the roost he's listening harder than he's ever listened all day he's going to listen harder right then than any other time because he's got to fly out of that tree on that ground and he can't see good yet and he's listening he wants to know what's out there so it's hard for me to take a client real close to that turkey. If I sit down to him, I'm going to be a pretty good ways from him 
unless I've got a creek bed that the leaves have washed everything out. You know what I'm saying. Unless I've got a perfect uh, route in there without making any noise, I don't sit down to a whole lot of turkeys on the roof. Just for the fact that you can spook them pretty easy. And I just, you know, if, if I don't know which way that turkey's going and I sit down and he flies down and um, I get pinned down, well, I can't move. But if I stay back a little bit and he starts going, you know, to the right instead of to where I was, he starts going the other way, I can go around him and get on that other side of it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. And, I mean, that's one thing that I wanted to talk to you about because – after I talked to uh, Coach Strickland, he actually brought that up about your your aspect of hunting birds on the roost is to stay back. And I really wanted to hear you say that. And, I mean, it makes perfect perfect sense, especially if you're hunting uh, places where you can't get close to them without making a lot of noise. Like you're hunting, you know, some big hardwood bottoms or something that, that birds roosted on and there's a bunch of leaf litter on the ground and it's dry. I mean, you're not going to be able to get close to that bird, you know, without making noise. I mean, he's going to hear you from 200 yards away at least. Um, so, so I definitely could see how that's effective. Um, I mean, and again, it's just more about having the confidence of once he hits the ground, trying to figure out which way that birds is going to work and have the confidence in yourself to, you know, be able to work around that bird and, you know, get in front of them where you can kind of call them in and, you know, hopefully have that bird come to your setup. You know, and another reason too, that turkey's gobbling, the gobbler, he's gobbling, but the hens, a lot of those hens won't say a word till you know, right before they get ready to fly down or something like that. So if you're walking in there, they don't all roost right there within 10 yards of each other. They may be scattered over 50, 60 yards, even further apart. And if you you bump one of those hens, I can guarantee you she's fixing to fly right toward that guy. And that's probably going to spook him. And, you know, it just messes up the whole deal. But don't get me wrong. I want to get close to it. If I'm by myself and the conditions are right and it's wet, I'm going to get just as close as I can get to him and and not spook him and, and try that, you know. But, number one, I've either got a camera with me or either I've got a customer with me, and it just gets harder and harder the more people you got. So I like to stay back and, and make sure I don't want to spook any more than I have to. So that's, that's the reason I do it. Okay, and I have one more topic that kind of goes with that. When, when you're getting in there, this is going to be a kind of a two-part question, but they both go together. Now, if you're getting in in the morning, roughly how soon are you getting out there? I mean, are you getting out there when it's pitch black at the truck and you're hiking in already? Or are you waiting until that sun is just, I mean, that this is getting that, I guess, gray light outside and then trying to walk in there? What's your set with that? And then also, if you're going in pitch black uh, to try to find where these birds are, are you, do you use a headlamp or a light at all, or do you go in by cover of darkness? I'm just going in dark. I'm not going to use a light. But I try to get there plenty of time early. I, you know, I catch myself. And guiding on the same piece of property, I've got to believe that those turkeys start learning you a little bit. They hear that truck pull up. They, I've seen it. I've seen it in on public ground where... I was, me, me and a, a kid were sitting there hunting on a youth day, and uh, this turkey had been gobbling, and a guy drove up in a truck, got out, out, turkey never gobbled, and 
he howled two or three times, got in the truck and drove off. He wasn't slamming the door or nothing like that, but I could hear him. Well, the turkey heard him too, and the turkey was probably 300 yards or further from him, down a hill, so the truck was up on the ridge, but um, it was 15 minutes after the guy drove off before the turkey gobbled again, still in the tree. So, I mean, they, they pay attention to that. So I try to make myself get there plenty early because you never know. That turkey may roost on the road or another turkey may be roosted right there. So I want to get there plenty early. And, uh, you know, if I think I'm close to the turkeys to where they're going to be roosted, I'm going to go ahead and sit down and listen. But, you know, everybody learns certain places, high points that you can go and listen to them that you don't think a turkey's going to be roosted, and that's good. If you've got a place that you can stay back and hear turkeys and then decide which way to go, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Don't 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 be disappointed if you don't get to yet to him in the tree. All right, and that's another – I mean, I'm glad you said that. It's another thing that I was really just wondering about. Again, just – Entrance, uh, whether you know using cover darkness, which is something that we try to do also, and then also having the uh, the patience to not use a light and just take your time getting through there and try to stay quiet. But now, do you see? I don't know how your property set up for where you guide at, but do you see a transfer of where the birds are, say, a couple days or weeks before season to where you find them? You know, what season happens, and later on throughout the season, do the uh, birds kind of? I'm not going to say migrate, but just kind of move around the property to certain areas where they might like it, where they're, uh, one of the guys, one of the guys we just interviewed talked about, you know, he finds a lot of the birds early season, preseason down on, you know, river sort like river and creeks down these big bottoms where there's a lot of hardwoods. And then later on, you know, they'll kind of work their way up into the hills into the pines and everything. Is that something that you might see on some of those properties? Are they pretty much there year round in their, uh, what they call the wintering and uh, summering ground? No, I see them. They, they kind of, where, where I guide, we have a lot of plantation pines, and some of them may be, you know, eight, nine-year-old, but still fairly clean under there. And in, I'm going to call it in deer season, uh, the, the hunters see a lot of, lot of turkeys in those thicker spots, you know. And then uh, they usually move out of those into some bigger timber creek bottoms and uh, more open areas, open being bigger timber and thin iron plantation stuff like that. They'll mm-hmm. they'll they'll change, but yeah, they're they're going to change. Um, and it, it's weather related a little bit, I think. If if uh, if we have a normal spring, which we hadn't had in for about four years, oh <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, it seems the last few have been uh, really warm winters and the turkeys seem to already been set up in certain spots and wherever they are. I've noticed the last couple of years that the turkeys never made that transition. They stayed in some of the thicker areas that they were in in deer season. And I think it's because they were there and it warmed up and the hens started maybe nesting in those areas. But, you know, it, it just depends on the weather and and how the, how the season, the spring is going. But 
yeah, they'll they'll move. I've seen them when you have an early spring. I've seen them kind of hit pastures and fields a little more because the bugs are starting to hatch in and out, and the uh, clover and all the stuff in the pastures are starting to you know really grow a little more and come out. So I, I'll see them in the early spring. Seem to be more around pastures and uh, clear cuts. You know that that have new growth starting in them. Stuff like that. Well, that's good. That's something that I'm actually happy to hear about. It's because the uh, public ground that we hunt on uh, is majority uh, all planted pines. You know, you have some pretty big uh, creek systems that run through there, and that's where you're going to find majority of your hardwoods. But, you know, there's very diverse timber when it comes to age structure. And that's one thing that, you know, I'm kind of excited about is find these pockets where these birds are at and they kind of move, work their way into those areas because definitely I saw that after the last two years of hunting out there where, you know, birds might not be in a certain area like where me and Andrew just got back from scouting a couple days ago. Uh, you know, most of the time, you know, they're kind of, it seems like around here, they're kind of staying low in these like draws and everything, kind of working their way up. You know, later in the season, it's got me kind of excited because, you know, it's not to let yourself down because maybe a spot you saw a bunch of birds last year, the last couple of years, and you go in their early season, not really see anything, you know, sooner or later, hopefully they're going to work that area. And, you know, also what you talked about clear cuts, they uh, rotate this property pretty often about how often they cut. And this property is right around 30,000 acres. And this past or this winter, they cut a good portion of that on the South end of the property and also on the North end. And that's something I'm actually kind of looking forward to this spring. Once green up happens, uh, maybe hitting around those cutovers and try to find out where uh, maybe some of these uh, birds come in to feed and find these hens and then try to find some gobblers behind them. Right. Yeah, they, you know, they they love a cutover. If it's clean out there, they, they love it. So that's something you need to keep a check on because they're probably going to be right there. And, you know, I, I don't mind a cutover. You've got to use, if you got windrows or whatever, you terrain, I mean, if it's some hills, you just have to move and get close to them and, you know, crawl up and crawl to get to where you can see them and get as close as you can to them and start yipping where they have to come look, you know, and and find you over a little hill or other side of a windrow or something like that, but um, with a cutover like that, you've got a place that you can really have a hunt on a bad day when you're normally... You know, in the woods going, man, nothing's gobbling. It's a bad day. Well, you can go get your binoculars and ease around the edge of that cutover and, and, and till you see one and get your eyes on him and then you've got to hunt. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because that's something that a lot of guys, I think, overlook is actually using uh, optics during turkey season. I know guys that don't even carry binos during turkey season. That's kind of a letdown because if you're hunting, you know, I understand if you have a small piece of private land, it's all, you know, pretty thick timber, that's fine. But if you're hunting any kind of public parcel or hunting any piece of, you know, like you're hunting a lease or a hunting club and you've got a decent amount of property that, you know, you might have some gas lines on or power lines or cutovers. I think you definitely need to be carrying uh, a pair of binos with you just to have that extra benefit of being able to glass up birds at a, a distance and kind of figure out first of all whether or not they're hens or uh, some gobblers and then how you want to go about you know trying to get on those birds because uh, to be honest when we went out scouting uh, a couple days ago we what we thought were two turkeys <laughs> at 1200 yards turned out to be two bucks once we ran 600 yards towards them to check them out 
And uh, I wish we would have brought the spotting scope or heavier, uh, heavier binos because those eight powers weren't cutting it that day. Yeah, invest in good optics because that, that would have saved us some exercise. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, all right, well, with that being said, Andrew, do you have any other uh, questions? Man, I, I think that about covers it for me. I, I, I really like what we talked about, Bob, when you mentioned uh, walking in without a headlamp. I think that's, that's kind of a, a, a cool little detail that I don't hear much with, with turkey hunting. And that's something that I kind of started trying to do last year about halfway through the season. And cause I was trying to get real close to these birds and me and Jacob started going in with no headlamps and, uh, we ended up getting right on top of them and it ended up being a pretty good hunt. Uh, almost had one, but didn't work out. But, you know, y'all. I, I think that's a good tip, man. Yeah, y'all are y'all are doing y'all are having fun, man. That that learning like that. There's nothing like it. And you know, doing this hopefully will help some people. You know, think about things. You you just gotta have different things to think of, and uh, having your quote computer to pull out, and uh, you're going, okay, what can we do today? What can I do? You know, what. Anyway, just just something, some ideas of what to do and how to hunt, how to go about, you know, working that turkey, stuff like that just means means a lot. Absolutely, uh, Bob. I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. Like uh, I learned a lot again, just like I did from that uh, Facebook live, and it's always nice to be able to talk to a guy who who spends as much time around turkeys as you, because like I said before, I. I didn't grow up turkey hunting with my dad, and then my main mentor after my dad passed didn't really turkey hunt that much. He did, but not not like other people do. So right. it's it's really nice to be able to talk to a guy who's just spent so much time around turkeys because that really shortens a learning curve for somebody who might not have that experience in the bank. That's right. You know, you're, you're exactly right. And, and, hey, I learned the hard way. I've, I've, I've spooked a pile of them. So it's going to happen. It, you know, just just don't quit. Just stay out there with them and, and, and keep rolling. But uh, maybe we can do this again and talk some more about them. And, uh, we, 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 uh, we hadn't even, that's just the tip of the iceberg right there. We hadn't covered much at all, you know, but it just gives <laughs> an idea of what, how to start and, like that so i i enjoyed it guys i appreciate you inviting me on and it was great i enjoyed it well yes sir we'll definitely have to do this again later on the season especially with our new program coming out uh we'll definitely want to have you on for that and i think you'll be able to add a ton of value to our listeners uh just with your background but once again bob thank you again for coming on here and uh can't wait to talk to you again okay all right man i enjoyed it guys thanks all right, guys, and that does it for our interview with Bob. Uh, huge shout-out to Bob, man. This was awesome. It was a great podcast. Uh, we were really happy to talk to him, and we'll be eager to have him on again sometime in the future. Bob, good luck this season, man. I hope you kill a bunch of turkeys. I hope you see a lot of them fall. Uh, now, to announce the winners of the uh, the drawing with Onyx Maps, we got three winners. Each of you ha- has won a state 
uh, membership. So it's a $30 value, uh, and you get one state, and you get all the property boundaries and everything that comes with the membership. So those three winners are Will Kissinger, Vernon Blocker, and Nathan Fitz. Congratulations, you guys, and everybody uh, watch out for this one that we're dropping today. Uh, it'll be an elite membership where you get all 50 states, so that one's going to be worth 100 bucks, and you'll get every state. So if you plan on traveling to hunt this year, uh, it's a really, really, really good tool to have. So uh, y'all go participate in that one. Just go to the Facebook page, um, like our Facebook page, and tag a friend in the post with the elite membership. Okay, so we'll be dropping that post today uh, as soon as this episode drops. And uh, that contest will close Saturday on a, let's see, what is Saturday? The 18th, I think. Uh, It'll close at midnight that night. We'll pick a winner, and we will announce it next week. For our three winners, uh, Will, Vernon, and Nathan, you guys have 24 hours to get, or 48 hours to get back to us. And uh, if you don't, then we'll have to pick somebody else. But... Congratulations, guys. We will see you guys next week. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it, you're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.